Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome uh, to... <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast and the Class. <laughs> Today's Breakfast and Class has been sponsored by Fred Hittery, dedicated in honor of his cousin, Isaac Syed. <clears throat> Breakfast is also dedicated in loving memory of Raymonde and David Sofer. Alehema Shalom. Lilui Nishmatem David Moshe Ben Naima, Simhabat Hana, sponsored by their son Edward Sofer. Breakfast in the class is also dedicated in loving memory of Meir's mother, Rivka Kohen, Alea Shalom Lilui Nishmat, Rivka Bat Morvari, sponsored by Gloria and Meir Kohen. And finally, Breakfast in the class is dedicated in loving memory of Rachel Shami, Alea Shalom Lilui Nishmat, Rahel Bat Mazal, sponsored by Moises Shami. Rabotai, our pasuk begins by telling us, Ve'asuli mikdash, make for me a mikdash, a sanctuary, a temple, a place to dwell, v'shachanti b'tocham, and I will dwell in them. Very famously, we have this uh, idea, b'tocho lo ne'emar, the al-shicha kadosh pushes it, and it becomes, gains traction as one of the preeminent Jewish teachings uh, of Judaism. It doesn't say God says, I will dwell, build me a temple, I'll dwell in it. Rather, that every single Jewish person becomes the temple that God resides in. And they quote the Pasuk in Yirmiyah, where the Pasuk says in Yirmiyah, the people are the sanctuary of God. Now, I have to share, this concept is very, very powerful. Because what it means is that the temple itself is actually not the dwelling place of the Jewish people. Rather, the Jewish people themselves is where God lives. And the temple was an external manifestation of that love. So as an example, let's say you have a guy falls in love with a girl, decides he's going to marry her, decides he wants to build a family, decides that, and he goes and he... The whole time while they're getting, while they're engaged, before they're ready to get married, the guy keeps slipping away. She starts thinking this guy's dodge, uh, not uh, not as in the coin, uh, Rabotai. But either way, he's slowly but surely slipping away, slipping away. She thinks that there's something going on until finally she confronts him. She says, "You know, ever since we got engaged, I don't know, something weird has come over you. You keep leaving me. You tell me you have to run. You have appointments. All of a sudden, is everything okay? Are we okay?" Guy looks at his uh, fiance. He has tears in his eyes. He says, you think I'm running away from you? He says, come, today at 5 o'clock, I'm going to show you um, what's been going on. She says, okay. 5 o'clock comes. He takes his fiance. They get in the car. They drive a short distance. And they pull up on some street in front of this beautiful home. And the man says, you know, I bought this house uh, on paper the day we got engaged. And every day, I've been coming to this house fixing up the room, arranging the furniture, buying the nicest to couch, outfitting the kitchen so it should be beautiful because I knew that you were the woman I loved and this is the home I wanted to have for our children, for our family, that our kids should grow up. I designed the backyard. I put the swing set up already for the kids. I'm so excited to spend the rest of my life with you. That house, aside from it being a piece of real estate, Rabotai, it has in it a piece of this man's heart. She's overwhelmed. She's the nicest gift she's ever got from anybody. 
Rabutai, the Beta Mikdash was indicative of the love, the care, the concern, the gratitude, the, uh, uh, the uh, idealization that the Jewish people had in the fact that they were the Am HaNivchar. And when in the, human, in the Jewish human heart, their love for God had dissipated, when their Averot came along, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, not as punishment for that, but rather there was no longer this love. Suddenly, without the love, what is the house? It's nothing. It's a piece of real estate. You could sell it to anybody. Anyone could take it over. Anyone could destroy it. But, but Rabotai, that is not the understanding of the Beit HaMikdash. Now, most people talk about this subject with regards to the Beit HaMikdash. But, Rab- but Rabotai, I, I think that everybody has it backwards. You ever have one of those socks that you put on and then you put the other one on and you realize that one of them is backwards? Right? And you're not a woman, so you're not uh, aware or, and attuned enough to fashion to understand which is the right way. But what most guys will do is at least they'll make a match. <laughs> I don't know if this is the right way and this is the right way. But you know what, I'll turn, it inside, I'll turn one of them inside out and now at least, even if it's not the right way, but at least they look the same. That is enough. You know, I say to my wife sometimes, sometimes you know, you look at your husband, you know, and he's not stylish enough. You have to celebrate small victories. Right? You know what I mean? You know, he doesn't look like the model in the window. Okay, fine. Is, is his pants tucked into his socks? Okay, this is a good day. <laughs> his shirt is tucked in all the way around. His collar's not doing those wonky, you know, runaway, runaway train out to that thing. You know, he's done good, Rabutai, okay? Now, um, I, think, I think that there's, there's a tremendous lesson here and people are, that we have it inside out. This idea of Vishachati B'tocham is not a lesson about the Beit HaMikdash and it's teaching you that actually we're not there we're in the heart of every Jew. It's actually a lesson about each and every Jew, and its expression is the Beit HaMikdash. It's, that's, the, that's the sidebar. That's the outcome. Rabbi Uta, I want to talk about what this means. I want to talk about the concept of opening up a place in yourself for Hashem. Now, Isaac, I'm not sure what that means to you. I'm not sure. I don't know what that means to you, Fred. I don't know what that means to you. I think for different people, it means different things. But what it does mean is that there's a place. And I want to explain. Most people have this concept of a guest room. And when I say most people, of course, I mean people who do not live in Manhattan. In Manhattan, the guest room is a hotel down the street. Okay? But if you don't live in Manhattan, and you live in Brooklyn or Deal or Lakewood, or wherever you live, because people are listening from a lot of different places, you might have a guest room. And what's the guest room? The guest room is a place where a guest sleeps. As an example, you have your in-laws over sometimes, you have your parents over sometimes, you have friends over sometimes. That room is l'shem yichud, it's set aside. Do you ever decide to sleep in the guest room? Obviously, not when you're fighting with your wife. I'm saying, right, is there ever a time when, no, you would never sleep there. You don't decide to rotate in the bedrooms in the house. You, everyone has their space, but there's one room set aside for orchim. Rabotai, and I find this, it's almost a painful concept to me. Because... We have a room set aside for occasional guests. But God is not an occasional guest, or at least He's not supposed to be. Shiviti amunai lenegdi tamid means that God is one of those house guests that doesn't leave. He stays with you always. And you know what? He's one of those guests that you don't mind when they stay. Sometimes you have a guest. The guy comes to your house. You know people who lose any sense of proportion? You know, you invited them to come Shabbat uh, for, for a meal. 
He invited them over for Shabbat. The guy comes and he puts down, a, you know, a bottle of scotch, more expensive than your mortgage. Okay? <laughs> we don't, this is not necessary. You know, you were overboard. And then he comes and he says, oh no, stand down one second, I'm parked outside. Then he comes in with a big box of fruit platter like this. Puts it on the table. Okay, now already, thank you, that's so nice. Honey, look what he brought. Look, he brought something for me. The whiskey, brought something for you, the fruit. <laughs> Everybody's happy. He says, stand up. Then he goes and he gets flowers. I'm thinking, it's me, my wife, who's this for? For him, right? Then he puts flowers on the table. Then he comes in and he says, he got monogram towels for, for the... For the Eventually, you start feeling sticky, like, you know, it's too much. You feel embarrassed that you invited this guy, you want to do something nice for him, and then he's like, <laughs> you know, and they start bringing in trays of mazeh. <laughs> Could you imagine? You start, eventually, you start thinking, you know, the, I, the guy didn't need my invitation at all. Look at how set up he is. Rabotai, Boreo Olam is the very best kind of guest. Because when he comes over to your house, and he comes over to your house whenever you invite him. He brings everything. Not the mazir, he brings the main course. And he brings the drinks, and he brings the drinks, and he brings the, 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 the uh, tableware, and he brings the napkins, and he brings the tablecloth, and he brings the chedamah to clean up afterwards. Bureo Olam's presence in your life is the biggest beracha in the world. But there's one condition. You gotta set the guest room. We, as a universe, as a planet, we want God to be present in our world. So what are we doing to make a space where God feels comfortable in our life? I dare say that maybe the importance of kiviut itim la Torah, a set-aside time where it's Kodesh Kodashim, even if it's five minutes long, where you learn from 12 to 12.05, from 7 a.m. to 7.05, doesn't matter when it is, a set time which is immovable, that's like a guest room for God. Our rabbis teach us, in la kadosh baruch hu God does not have in this world, Ela, dalid amot shel halacha bilvad, the four amot of halacha, the space of halakha, that a person's keeping the laws. In that space, God feels comfortable. Now, if a person wants to invite God in by learning Torah, that's one way, it's a good way. But I think also there's other things that a person could do to make God feel ever more comfortable in his life. You know, have you ever been a guest in someone's house where you felt very uncomfortable? You walk in, not only you have to take off your shoes, you have to put socks on your socks, right? You know what I mean? They're giving you the little plastic things. You walk in, you have one of these on your face, you have one of these on each foot. You know, your hands have gloves on them. You know, you feel, oh my gosh, you don't want to, everything is antique. If you sit down, you know, they tell you here, this chair, we, uh, we bought it from Louis the Fourteenth. You know, it's very delicate. Uh, so we want to honor you with sitting on it, but don't move the ab or a little, you know, don't. Don't shimmy it or you're going to break it. Like, you know, I don't need Renaissance furniture. Dakhila, get me a chair from Ikea that I can relax it, right? Sometimes you feel uncomfortable, right? When do you feel uncomfortable? When the host is uncomfortable with you. But when you walk in, hey, there's a familiarity between you and the host. Then you settle in. Boreo Olam in this way is no different. He comes into our lives, into our worlds, into our hearts, into our homes, and He wants to feel comfortable. And the way God feels comfortable is when you feel comfortable with Him. When you already have 
a rapport with him, when you understand him, when you, it's not like you haven't spoken to him in 10 years, but you speak to him all the time. This is the idea of carving out in yourself space for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You know, I think there's something which, is, this is something which is very, very misunderstood in our world and in our, in, and in our understandings. Very misunderstood. We like to think of God as some sort of, uh, you know, banker. Think about that. He's a banker. You know, I pray, he gives me money. I do mitzvot, he rewards me with the shiduk, with the children, with, you know. So it's kind of like, you know, there's this guy, you come to the banker, it's like deal or no deal. I have this suitcase, I don't want this one. I think I want that one, right? You think that God said, oh, you want that one? Let's see if we make the phone call. You, you know, we want to, it's, 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 it's transactional, that relationship, right? You pray, God does this. You don't pray, <laughs> now you're going to get the bad suitcase, Right? That's sometimes how we think of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But really, this entire thing, all of the ideas that we have, that we learn about, the concept of, of Talmud Torah, the concept of Shmirat mitzvot, all we're doing is trying to make for HaKadosh Baruch Hu what's called Dira B'Tahtonim, a place to dwell in the lower worlds. Borei Olam, he descends into our world as much as we let him as much as we open up a space. So I encourage people all the time to try and work on opening up a space. So let's think for one minute together and then we'll end today. Let's think for one minute together, what does this concept look like in 2021 for a person, every person on their level? For one person, a person could think that that's the times of tefillah that he comes, he prays three times a day, a religious guy. He's in the synagogue, shachrit mincha arbit, excellent. It's not just that you're praying that time. It's that there's an awareness, an understanding that this is what I'm doing when I'm praying this time. Imagine instead of calling it, I gotta go pray, imagine if you said to yourself, I have to go visit my father. Just change the words a little. Where are you going? Oh, I gotta go have, I'm gonna go talk to my dad. It's a very different experience coming to shul then. You're not fulfilling a responsibility, ticking a box. You're doing something which is monumental. It changes you. It changes your relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It invites HaKadosh Baruch Hu in. Rabutai, it's not just that. If you had to choose a place in the human being, where would you imagine that Borei Olam resides? There's two places that God resides, one would imagine in the human body. One is a person's head, and one is a person's heart. In their machshavot, in their thoughts, and in their emotions. When a person has ga'ava, we know our rabbis tell us that Borei Olam stays away from that person. En ani dar, he and I cannot live echat in one space. So a person who's arrogant does not merit to have God Dwell with him, walk with him, be with him. Why? Now we understand. Because if your thoughts are about me, 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 God says, I'm not welcome here. He thinks he's in charge. He thinks he's self-sustaining. He does everything by himself. He doesn't understand that all the beracha and that everything that he has, it comes from me. 
He's not making me welcome. God runs away from a person who is arrogant. Rabotai, so humility is carving out a place in your life for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Fascinating. A person's heart, when a person is an achzar, when they're cruel, they chase God from their heart. When they're kind, they open up a space for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So start to think to yourself about this idea about priming your brain and your heart and your home, about opening up a space for God. And the most ironic thing is that the result, the biracha of having God in your life, in your home, in your head, in your heart, is that your thoughts are more beautiful. Your thoughts are blessed. You know, it's a big biracha to have good thoughts. We don't think about this a lot, do we? You know, sometimes you have a thought, you don't want that thought. Someone tells you about someone, you're thinking bad about the guy. You're upset at yourself after, why do I have to think that about this person? Why do I have to, right? And, and you almost feel like you're this victim to the random thoughts that float into your brain. Afterwards, you feel bad that you're thinking negatively about the person, that you're being pessimistic in your world outlook. Who chose? Who chose to give you that pessimistic thought? It just came in your head. When your head is occupied by Borei Olam, then the thoughts that you have are blessed thoughts, are holy thoughts. You think of opportunities to help people. You think positively about yourself and about others. Rabbi the same is about a person's heart. Who decides if your heart is open to helping someone? We feel so good when we help someone. You turn someone away, even if you're annoyed at the moment, after you turn them away, after you said, I'm too busy, you feel a pang of guilt, don't you? Your brother, your sister, your parents reached out to you. And you're like, oh, not now, I'm busy. It hurts after. Why, did, why was I not more? And the answer is, because the more you chase God out of your heart, the more your heart is the heart of every living being, like the heart of every animal in this planet, which beats with a selfish uh, rhythm. It asks only for itself. Inviting God in allows the heart to think in an altruistic way and to make a person feel much better about the life that they live. So this idea of Ve'asuli Mikdash V'shachanti B'tocham is a very powerful um, uh, demand that the Torah makes of us. Not for anybody else's benefit, more than our own. Rabotai, ask yourself this question. Which areas and in what place in my life, in my head, in my heart, in my home, in my diary, could I invite Borei Olam in and see the berachot that come from such an invitation? Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Chananya